and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42 and I'm not going to do my normal intro only because I've listened to what's coming and I'm just about to royally cock the intro up anyway in about three <laughs> yes, or four minutes. Are. Yeah, I forgot about that. When, when the interview <laughs> starts. So evening, Jace, how are you? I'm very good, mate. How are you? I'm, I'm really, really good. I'm really good. And this is just that little pre-roll before our chat that we had with uh, Doug Sparks of, uh, of Auden Guitars. Yeah, I'd, I'd wanted to do Doug for quite a while. Um, based mainly on the conversations we'd had at various shows, mine, Nam, Nashville. Um, I just think he's a really interesting guy. Mm. And he was, and it was a really, really great chat. And uh, we, in fact, we were just talking um, because I've just, I've just bought up an image of a of a Gordon Smith. Uh, and and not only was it a great chat, but he's. Bloody well got me, hasn't he? Because I'm going to end up buying one of his guitars. I tell you, I mean, I think I mentioned it in the uh, the podcast that uh, one of my daughter's scout leaders came to the guitar show to buy uh, and then bought a guitar for his uh, brother's 40th and then ended up buying one for himself as soon as he got to the factory for a tour. Yeah. I've already found the one I want. It's going to end badly, it really is. But yeah, he's... Uh... <laughs> But I, I, do you know what? Everything about him, what he's doing, the, uh, the ethos of what is going on with both brands, with Alden and with, uh, with, with Gordon Smith, I think is absolutely fantastic. And uh, and you'll hear in the interviews, we, we, there's a, you know, he's invited us down to, uh, down to Northampton. I think we're going to go down there and maybe speak to a few more people in there and get a bit of a, a feel for what goes on. Uh, which would be nice to talk to, a, you know. A, British manufacturing business, particularly when it handles two brands. Mm. And I think it'd be really interesting. Uh, I'm not sure anybody ever really talks to the guy that shapes the neck, the guy that sprays the body and, and so on, you know, and, you know, how do they feel about the brand that they work on? Mm. It will. It'll be well worth, well worth the drive. Well worth the drive. Um, we need to thank Focusrite, don't we? Yes. Thank you, Focusrite. We love you. Uh, we do love you, and you, you, you. I don't know how many of these you've now sponsored, but you, you, you know, you, you very kindly agreed to sponsor. Well, quite a few of them actually. Um, uh, a year's worth. A, a year's worth. A year's and, worth. And well, it's April now, so we're uh, a third of the way through. Yeah, yeah. And it goes without saying, um, they've got some great kit and there's some fantastic stuff in the ranges and they are, and it's a really easy company to deal with. We found that from, you know, dealing with this. But we've both known Focusrite for such a long time and they are great, great blokes, or great, not blokes, great folks, sorry. Uh, There are some great (laughs) blokes amongst the great folks, but there's a, you know, um, but no, it just, just a huge thanks from us. We can't, you know, we, 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 we can't speak highly enough of them. No, not at all. And a special shout out to Luke, um, because I know he listens to this. And uh, he's currently helping me design a template so I can put up excerpts of this um, because I'm not a graphic designer. So (laughs) I think you do yourself a bit of a disservice there. (laughs) Uh, I've got rudimentary skills. Yes. Well, we've both only got rudimentary (laughs) skills, haven't we? Uh, And... and Stop the press! You're about to be a guest on a podcast yourself, aren't you? I am. I'm doing one on Tuesday. Utterly terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, to talk about branding. Yes, the reluctant podcaster is now the reluctant guest. Yeah. So we'll see. I'll, I'll share sure. a link to it anyway. If anybody wants to listen to me waffling I'm on about branding, sure. sure, it'll be fine. Right. Shall we? Um, shall we disappear off and and roll this this interview? Yeah. Roll. Roll VT. Roll VT. <laughs> Was that, what, who was that? Was that Roland Rat? Um, I've got no idea. I just remember hearing it a lot. I think Roland Rat used to do it, you know. <laughs> For those who remember Roland Rat. Right, okay. Well, the next voice, you, well, the next voice you're actually going to hear is going to be mine, but very soon you will be hearing from uh, Doug Sparks uh, of, of uh, Auden Guitars and uh, Gordon Smith Guitars. And we'll, we'll get out of the way. Wish you very well, and we'll see you all next time. See ya. Bye-bye. 
Hello and welcome to 9 to 42, which is the podcast from the... I've said it wrong again. I did this with Daryl. Bloody hell. Start again. Start again. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42, which is the podcast from the guys at the Guitar Show UK. And I'm looking at Jace Hunt on screen. Um, Jace, how the devil are you? I'm very good, mate. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I've, I've recovered from my COVID jab. Uh, we were comparing notes on on COVID jab side, side effects, weren't we? Now we've both been yes jabbed, uh, but I'm, I seem to be well over that, so I'm I'm uh, I'm really well. And actually, we could have planned this a bit better. We could have done this in a garden somewhere because we we would be free to meet in a garden, wouldn't we? As of now, well, we would. But I've just been out into the garden. It's a bit nippy. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably probably fair. Probably fair. Um, and we are sitting with uh, Doug from uh, Orden Guitars. Uh, morning, Doug. How are you? In fact, not morning, afternoon. Yeah, afternoon, guys. Uh, good to see you. Um, yeah, all good here. Uh, workshop. I can hear the workshop in the background making noise, so we're doing what we should be doing. So that's always a good sign. And you've got one of those well choreographed sort of backdrops for the Zoom call, haven't you? You've got your, you've got there's a guitar there. You've got some very well positioned prints and bits and pieces so you've you've been working on your backdrop well it's just the wall in the office that's all it is so <laughs> oh, is that all we, it is yeah oh. we have uh, we have like an artist wall in the office here so that right. the idea is we have a lot of people that come on site so the idea is to try and make every bit of the building interesting when they come to to visit right. us so we have through my office we have a few sort of specific guitars that have got a bit of a story so we've got number mm-hmm. one gordon smith we've got the first 12 string gordon smith we've got uh the guitar behind me is a 12 string that we've just done for johnny marr um and then we've got lots of pictures on the wall of various artists that we work with oh, cool and you um you are you are the big deal aren't you uh, at Auden? but you just i mean yeah because i said what do you want me to introduce you as and you said oh it's just doug but you are you are the man you're the main man essentially well i guess in some ways yeah but you know we're a team of five so mm. there's no room for egos or titles here. It's every, you know, um, I'm as, I'm as, you know, as probably going to be found as often packing a box of, or, you know, putting a guitar into a box waiting to be picked up by a courier as I am sat in my office. So it's, it's a small team, five of us, we're all hands on, everybody just mucks in and does what needs to be done. And how have you coped through lockdown? How's that, that worked? Uh, it's been difficult. The first lockdown was really difficult because we basically had to close and we lost 12 weeks of production and we've, been struggling really if I'm honest to catch that up because um, although we've been back and been working since the middle of the year um, we've never or or very rarely had a full team in because all of the guys here have got young families they've got kids that have been homeschooling Uh, we've had a couple of guys have had COVID themselves and so had to take a couple of weeks off so we've been really sort of pulling and pushing with resources as we've been able to to try and get as many guitars out the door as we can and obviously there's also the the added sort of difficulty of balancing um, the number of Ordens that we've got to get out with the number of Gordon Smiths that we've got to build and get out as well. Yeah, yeah. and and what what's demand been like? Um, incredible, actually. I mean, we've just had uh, first week of March was the biggest or busiest week we've ever had for Orden. We ship more Orden guitars. Um, all around the world than we've ever done before in a week um and gordon smith i think we've got the biggest outstanding build list again that we've ever had so i think people have taken time in lockdown to maybe think about getting back to being creative maybe picking up the guitar again if it's something that that, that had slipped you know in the busyness of life falls by the wayside i think people have maybe had time to think and reflect and have gone back to creative um you know things to do to fill their time and and, and guitar playing i think is is right back on the agenda with people it's certainly a, a very common theme, isn't it? Of all the podcasts that we've done so far, when we've spoken to, you know, like Tim from Bare Knuckle or Monty's or, or so on, and everybody's like, it's just insane, you know, um, which is really good. You know, if, if there are any positives to come out of this, it's the fact that more people are playing guitar. Yeah, and I, I, I think as well, uh, the other thing that we've definitely noticed is that if people are specifying, say, Gordon Smith with us, whereas in the past they would maybe have a set budget and they would say, well, I'm going to have to compromise because I've got to bring it in under this budget. Now they've kind of got the attitude of, you know, 
sod it, I'm going to have what I want. And if I want, you know, that extra bit of uh, flame maple on it, or I want that extra, uh, you know, CTS wiring loom in it, or the pickup upgrade or whatever, they're putting everything on it that they want. They're not, uh, they're not skimping in perhaps the way they would be in normal times, possibly because nobody spent any money on holidays or going out. So there's perhaps a bit more in the budget. But we've certainly seen the average values uh, of the guitars that we're selling going up as well as the number of guitars. Cool. Oh, that's really nice, actually, because it, when you think about it, and, and I was thinking the other day about the money we've not spent during lockdown, a lot of it's on really kind of trivial stuff. Like You've not spent the money on fuel. You've not spent the money on things to do with sort of keeping cars and bits and pieces on the road or what have you. Yes, you've missed out on holidays and what have you, but there's been a lot of other kind of probably far more mundane, probably far worse for the planet stuff. And I suppose if you can then turn that into, you know, into a dream guitar... Not the world's worst outcome. I know. I know. None of us would like to be where we are, but it's a little bit of a little bit of payback. Yeah, well, you just think of all those people that you know drop a tenner a day into a Starbucks or a Costa or something yeah. like that. And for the last year, you know, they haven't done that. They've got sort of two hundred days worth of ten quid sat in the bank because um, yeah. they've made a cup of coffee and a sandwich at home instead. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely about two hundred and fifty quid a month better off in fuel right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and like you say, yeah, tenner a day. On lunch, sort of thing. If I'm out, so yeah. Probably Saying it's... that, my my youngest wants to rent the Tom and Jerry movie because it's just launched, and it's fi- and, and Amazon want fifteen ninety nine to watch the Tom and Jerry uh, movie once, hmm. uh, and the reviews are awful. So we're actually pushing back against that one. <laughs> oh, that got, sounds really northern tired, doesn't it? Uh, we're we're having to uh, rent the Black Widow movie. It's thirty right. quid. It's going to be thirty, 30 quid. Wow. That is taking the piss, actually. I mean, fifteen ninety nine for Tom and Jerry. There's a, we could get to the cinema for less than that. I mean, obviously, if it was open, which it isn't. But anyway, it's because you're up north, mate. You can't get to the cinema for that anywhere else. <laughs> it's <laughs> not the price of your ticket when you go to the cinema. It's the price of the popcorn and the yeah. coke or whatever. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, yeah. That empties yeah. your wallet. <laughs> yeah, you're probably you're probably about right. So where do we start? Well, I suppose I, I wrote down. Um, I, only because I can remember uh, Doug's first sort of like guitar show appearance, however many years ago that was now. And I can remember, I think there was an issue with your stand, the stand builders or something. So you spent quite a bit of time um, sat in my office drinking coffee while we were waiting for it to all kind of unfold and be built sort of thing. And and you were telling me about the start of Auden Guitars and how you'd come into the industry um, from a completely different industry, and um, is it Meraki Developments? Was that what the company was called? Uh, no, Meraki Developments is a property company that I have, which is still functioning right. now. Um, but I had a I had a business in the packaging industry called EcoPack, um, and I'd done that for seven years. Bought the business and built it, and then sold it on, and was was looking for. The next thing to do and I was actually in Shanghai and I was sat in a hotel quite sort of I was, I was doing my sort of rounds of saying thank you to suppliers and saying goodbyes because I'd sold the bill the business was selling um, and I was in a in a hotel and it was I think it was a Thursday evening and I didn't have another appointment till the Tuesday and I was thinking this is going to be a really miserable weekend because <laughs> I'm just going to be sat in this hotel uh, in October in Shanghai and two guys came in to the hotel bar carrying guitar cases so as you do, if you're interested in guitars, you strike up a conversation. You know, they were obviously Western guys, so it was an obvious thing to do to start a conversation. They said, oh, yeah, we're here for the uh, Shanghai Music Show. Um, so I immediately thought, ah, great, that's how I can sort of spend my weekend. I'll blag my way into this music show that I've got no right to be in, but I'll spend the weekend looking at guitars and, and see what's in there. And that's, that's what I did. And as I was walking around, sort of ideas started to bounce into my head about you know what I could do as a next sort of project next sort of uh, next thing to get involved in I'd always um, you know I played guitar collecting guitar uh, guitars and um, sort of spent the spent the weekend looking at different not just guitars but I was looking at guitars mandolins all all sorts of things that were available at that show and sort of thinking well you know, I'd, at the time I had a uh, an old Takamini that I'd played for 20, 25 years and it was literally falling apart and needed to be replaced. And I thought, well, you know, the sort of penny started to drop. Was there an opportunity to find um, a product that we could bring in and maybe split manufacturing between Asia and the UK um, to, to produce a product that's made of the best possible materials that 
competes in terms of performance with the very biggest brands out there, but um, was able to be put to the market at an uh, at an affordable price or at a reachable price point to make it available to a, to a wider group of players. And that was the idea behind it, really. And uh, I, I had a friend, a guy uh, locally, who was a, a banjo player, actually, that we'd done some recording with. Uh, but he was also a really great luthier. Um, and so when I got back to the UK, the next thing I did was arranged. Uh, well, I went around to his house and I was sat on his sofa between sort of him and his missus and sort of said, Rob, I want to take you to Asia for a month with me. And I think his, <laughs> his missus wondered what was going on. But we basically went back back over to Asia and spent a month just touring around different guitar factories and different manufacturers to, to learn as much as we could about the industry in as short a period. And we covered a huge amount of mileage. We were literally in factories from like sort of eight o'clock in the morning to eight o'clock at night. And then we were flying on to the next city or driving on to the next city. So it was a real sort of road trip over, uh, over that sort of four week period uh, where we sort of laid the infrastructure, the starting point for, uh, for Auden. So, I, I mean, it's all very well having the idea but the what's the practicalities of it? So you, you you come back and you found a factory that you know you you like the the quality of their builds and so on. Do you then did you have premises that you could go to, or did did, did then you have to start looking for premises and then looking for a team that you've got to build around that? Well, basically, what happened was we um, we got all the way through the the sort of month tour, and, and we were we were almost getting more and more disheartened the the further we went on because although we had this ambition of this great handmade luthier built product the reality in a lot of the factories fell somewhat short of what we were hoping for and and towards the end of it we actually met an american luthier an ex-gibson luthier called abe wechter who was living out in china at the time and he said look there is one factory that might be able to do what you want uh, and only one that i know of and he he diverted us down to that uh, that factory down in the south of china and we went there, but it was still a factory-built product. Um, so we had the tour, we met all the people, we went out for dinner, and I sort of said, look, um, thank you very much, it's by far the best we've seen, but it's still really not quite what we're looking for. And they sort of said, well, what are you looking for? And I said, well, really, we want a, you know, a real hand-built, luthier-built uh, instrument. And he said, well, if you're, if you're serious, and he called my bluff, if you're serious, <laughs> write out an order and I'll put... A handful of my best luthiers into that building opposite because we own that as well and we'll start a little hand-built workshop and that was literally how it started um, so we gave them a, a small first initial order um, nothing more really than a sample order they built us some guitars and, and that was how it was was done but at the time I was working from a spare room in my house and Rob was working from his garage um, and that's that's where the business started and it was only um, probably six months after that that we found the premises the old co-op building that we're in now uh which is perfect for what we do because it's uh it's not too big it's it's broken up into lots of small spaces so it's easy to to keep you know temperature control and humidity control going in in the building um and uh, it also gave us the space that we needed to move gordon smith onto this into the same workshop as well when that became available so uh it's worked well for us um, so, and as you say, you then have to start to try and build a team, and that's difficult because you know there's not there's not a, a huge queue of luthiers down at the Dole office looking for <laughs> jobs. You know you have to sort of we've kind of had to mix and match a little bit. So the guy that does all of our paintwork, he came to us from the automotive industry. Um, we've got a guy that that was a sort of chippy that's now retrained his skills to work with us, um, and then uh, we've got Rob, who's our head luthier. We've got Elliot, who's very much from the design side of things and sits behind a computer screen all day coming up with wonderful ideas. So where did the name come from? Um, I wish I had a really good story to tell you, but I don't. <laughs> I decided in my head that I wanted a name that was five or six letters, no more than that. Didn't begin with an M or a G or an F or a T. Um, and my wife is a school teacher and I was walking through the lounge and on the coffee table was a book of W.H. Auden poetry. And I just looked, I saw it and I thought, that's it. It kind of implies British heritage. It's two syllables. It's five letters. It's perfect. So uh, that's where it came from. Uh, I did wonder if it was um, from WH. Yeah. Uh, and now I know. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, so Auden's up and running then. Um, I mean, how, how how did you find sort of like launching a new brand into the British 
marketplace? I probably didn't realise at the time how difficult it was. And if I had have done, I mean, I was really naive coming into the industry. Um, and to be honest, the ambition that we had for the business wasn't that we wanted to take over the world and be hung on every wall of every guitar store, you know, in, in the country or in Europe or in the world. I just wanted to have almost a lifestyle business that was going to keep me occupied, you know, for the next sort of project that I was doing. Mm. Um, so we, we kind of, we always had the idea that we wanted where possible to deal direct with the players because I think there's so much lost between instrument manufacturers and the people that actually play them if there's you know one or two distributors and retailer barriers in between. And we've, so we've always been really careful about getting that balance right between dealing direct with the end user and dealing with only a select group of retailers that we hand select. So we say no to more retailers than we say yes to. Um, we have a retail profile that we only want to work with, which is what we describe as the intelligent independence. So <laughs> people that are prepared to invest in the brand, understand the brand and know what we're about, know the backstory and be part of building the brand for us. Oh, it was funny because uh, we, we, you sent me an email and said, oh, I'm traveling up to um, Steve James's guitar shop last week. Yes. And uh, that afternoon, no, the following day, I had an email because I'm signed up to Steve James's um, newsletters type thing. It was just full of Auden. There I you thought, go. Oh, you've had a really <laughs> successful meeting. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Steve's one of the, um, the, the the latest guys that we've brought on board with with Auden, and he's great because he's so enthusiastic about the product and and you know and he knows guitars inside out. He absolutely well, you he used know to be he, a luthier, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, but he gets the heart and soul of of guitars, no doubt about it. And um, you know what was really great is we'd set up a couple of sample pieces, and then I went back up there, and he'd actually taken one of the sample pieces to replace his own acoustic guitar in his house that he'd been playing. So I knew then that he'd got the product. He understood it. He was. Uh, absolutely right for you know for looking after the northeast of England for us uh, with Auden. So I think there's I don't know, there's probably twenty Ordens in his shop at the moment, or hopefully a couple less because he's if he's had a good weekend. <laughs> so so how how is the building of that gone? You know, I mean, when did you start? What we started well, the, the the trip around China was 2013, and the right. very first guitar show that we did was a tiny little show in East Anglia, um, just in a barn, somebody's barn. Um, and we had, I think we had four guitars that we could take. We had a table with four guitars on the top and that was the first thing that we did. And, uh, and it built, it's built gradually. Um, I have to say for us, guitar shows have been hugely important in terms of with, a bit, with it being a brand new brand. Um, because, you know, nobody's going to pick up the phone and ring up a retailer and say, have you got a guitar that they've never heard of? So guitar shows were such an important in, uh, interface for us to be able to get, not just get the brand name in front of people, in front of people's eyes, but actually to get guitars into their hands and say, here, play this, you know, mm -hmm. pick this up and, and, and tell us what you think of it and give us feedback. And there's no doubt about it. The Auden range has grown and developed over the last five or six years because of the feedback that we've been given by players at guitar shows. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about how in my head, that interaction with the player is so important that we don't just give everything to a distributor or give everything to a retailer because not being close to the people that play Auden guitars, we have a thing on our website called the Auden family where you know if you buy an Auden, you can send a picture of yourself in playing it or send a video clip in or whatever, and we'll pop it up on our website because that it, we, that is how we see it. You know, everybody that's got an Auden is part of what we're doing and part of helping us shape the future of what the brand becomes. Uh, so, so then we, then you add Gordon Smith, which is I think is a, is a brand name that quite a lot of people will recognise. I know that certainly when. I used to go to rehearsal rooms in Birmingham oh, 25 years ago or something. Um, they had a Gordon Smith as like their spare. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, whatever, you know, my pickup stopped working or whatever. So I went downstairs, borrowed the Gordon Smith, and then I borrowed it for about the next six weeks. <laughs> go, yeah, my guitar's still not fixed because it was so much better than mine. And it was, it was the, the, the sort of like the typical single cut um, sort of version. Uh, and, and so you, you purchased... Gordon Smith, what, three years ago now, is it? No, a bit longer than that. It was 2015 just into 2016. Um, right. Over sort of the end of 2015, beginning of 2016. And, and basically, um, 
we'd got this workshop. The workshop was up and running with Auden and we were only using about half of it. And I was actually going to rent the front half out to a local building company uh, who wanted somewhere to store their stuff. And, and I, um, I, I got home from the, this is a true story, I got home from the pub one night and thought, you know, as you do when you've been sat in the pub, you know, what else could we do with that space? And literally Googled, you know, guitar-based business for sale uh, to see what came up. And, it, and, a, and a, a, a Google search result came up saying, you know, guitar manufacturer, UK-based. And I, it didn't take me long reading it to work out that it could only possibly have been Gordon Smith. And, mm. you know, I grew up a huge Cox fan and, you know, loving bands like the Manics and whatever that all had sort of references with, with Gordon Smith. So it was just like too exciting not to pursue and not to look into so I made contact with John Smith and went up to Partington and met John and Linda and Chris Smith and uh, over about a thousand cups of tea because John Smith was probably the biggest chain drinker of tea that I've ever <laughs> ever met and, and uh, um, we we came up with a, a way that we could transfer the manufacturing of Gordon Smith out of Manchester down into uh, into Northamptonshire and and keep the brand going and and uh, hopefully put a bit of life back into it because I think I think John you know would probably admit that in the last couple of years he'd run the business down a little bit he was using up a lot of old stock and spares of, of components and things and perhaps you know was looking to his retirement rather than looking to reinvest in the business so it was the perfect time um, to prevent sort of the shutters coming down on Gordon Smith for us to move it into the workshop down here. Uh, before we did that, I sent three of my guys up to Manchester and they worked uh, with John and Chris and Linda in their workshop for uh, for three uh, for three months, sort of seeing how John did everything. And then we uh, went up with a couple of big vans and emptied his workshop of all its kit <laughs> and left about 10 tonnes of sawdust on the floor because I don't think he'd ever... In fact, when we were emptying the, the workshop out, I said to... Uh, I said to We were trying to sort of get all the dust off the machines before we put them in the van. And I said to... Linda, I said, you haven't got a brush, have you, Linda? And she looked at me and said, why would I have a brush? If I had a brush, I'd have to use it. <laughs> I thought that was uh, uh, really sort of summed up the spirit of the sort of Partington workshop. Uh, but they were, you know, they were so welcoming to us, John, Linda and Chris, and so enthusiastic in helping us make a success of Gordon Smith. There was no no sort of, this is our baby, we don't want to let it go. They they absolutely welcomed my team with, with open arms and, uh, you know, really made that transferring of the business much easier than it could have been um, mm. and, and were really supportive of us. And it's, it's a really, sorry, I was going to say, it's, it seems a really good brand match. In terms of what you were talking about uh, about your ethos, uh, you know, for Auden and being close to the you know the, pe- the people that play them, and that would just seem to resonate as well with with Gordon Smith as well. I think that absolutely, and the other principles of great value for money and great playability, which mm. is what both brands are about. Uh, so I do I do think the brands sit well together, and it's interesting that the vast majority of our intelligent independent retailers, as we call them. Yeah. stock both brands and do equally as well with both brands yeah yeah well there seems to be such a natural synergy there um which is uh which which is which is great really yeah i did i was gonna say I, I mean you started i think with the sort of like the typical gordon smith range which was like about four different guitars which are essentially kind of you know permutations of a a, a similar sort of like template but you you've expanded that range quite a lot now haven't you yeah, we've added, we've added, um, you know, we've, we've perhaps, without losing the traditional rock and roll work, workhorse Gordon Smith guitar, we've added maybe a few posher options, mm. but mainly not, not driven by us, driven by people asking for them. So again, it's that connection with the player that's driven how the brand has developed. You know, we haven't sort of sat around and thought, let's make gold hardware available or let's make, you know, fancy engraved pickups available or anything like that. It's purely when people have asked for something, we've looked at it and said, does this compromise who we are? And if it doesn't compromise who we are, then yeah, we'll make it available. And that's how the the brand has developed. We were talking to someone else on the podcast and for the life of me, I can't remember who now, but, um, the sort of the Britishness actually matters to players. Have you seen that? Definitely, yeah, definitely. We, um, um, you know, we have the little handmade in the UK um, slogan that we put on the back of the headstock, and, and there's no doubt about it. Certainly, in the last year um, through the lockdown period, more and more people talk to us about the fact that you know they've come to Gordon Smith because they want something that was made in the UK. 
is that kind of tied in with Brexit as well, do you think? Um, possibly, um, although what's really interesting at the moment is that our order book, in terms of the countries that we're supplying guitars to, is probably wider than it's ever been. So, you know, in the last couple of weeks, we've sent guitars to two or three states of the US. We've sent them to Tasmania. We've sent them all across Europe, France, Germany, Spain. I can think of one up to Norway. Um, guitars over to Japan, which is our second biggest market after the UK. So it always astounds me because we're, you know, we're, we're quite a small volume producer. We're not a we're not a mass producer by any stretch. But I think, um, you know, this tiny little sort of corner shop that we're based in, in, in Northamptonshire, and yet we are selling guitars all around the world. That's amazing. So I, I suppose like the next part of the story, as far as I'm aware, is we start with Auden, then we had Gordon Smith, and then there was the tie up with Blackstar. Um, that's, that's kind of split now, has it? Yeah, it has. Um, look, nothing against the Blackstar guys, lovely bunch of guys, really clever guys, really, you know, technically brilliant guys. But what we found early on, but basically why we went into the Blackstar tie-up merger was that this business was gaining momentum and I was sort of sat thinking, right, it's not going to be long before we're going to need to appoint a finance department, a marketing department, a human resource department, a health and safety officer. And I could see costs scaling up in front of me. <laughs> and then I thought, but, you know, we've got our friends down the road. They're only 10 minutes down the road, the Blackstar guys, and they've already got all of that infrastructure already in place. And they've probably got as big a contact book as anybody in mm. terms of potential customers and retailers and distributors if we wanted to take the brands global. Um, so we so we we made that decision at the time to to merge the businesses together, but I think fairly soon afterwards we realised that actually the, the the business model between the two two companies was actually quite different. Whereas Blackstar do a lot of design and development work in the UK, all their manufacturing is done in China, and they ship from China direct to distributors all around the world. And then the distributors sell to the retailers and the retailers send to the end users. And that's the model that they use. And it's the model that works brilliantly for them. And it's a great business. But it's not the model that I wanted to trust the guitar brands to. I didn't want, first of all, I didn't want to offshore the production of Gordon Smith anywhere. For me, being made in the UK is absolutely fundamental to what Gordon Smith is. Um, And we were never going to be able to secure the level of investment that we would need to serve a global market on a mass production model from the UK. So we kind of got into a little bit of a standoff with each other as to how the brands were going to develop and what the brands were going to do. And then when sort of COVID came along and during that first lockdown, when the workshop here was closed for 12 weeks, I was coming into work on my own. I was the only person coming in and sat here thinking, what do we do about this challenge that we've got with the culture um, and organization at Blackstar and the culture and organization that I want for this business here. Um, And so we just had a really grown up conversation. There's no falling out. There's no animosity. We still work closely with each other. We've just designed the travel guitar that Blackstar have just launched and Blackstar still do a lot of administrative support for us and have been really helpful and really great guys. Um, But it just gave us an opportunity to sort of shake hands and say, it was worth a try, but it, it didn't really yeah. work out and bring the business back under sort of my ownership and control uh, back here in High and Ferris. I think it, it, it's I, I kind of I, I do like your sort of attitude to sort of dealing with the public direct because I know that. Uh, so my daughter um, was in Scouts, uh, not the last guitar show, the, the one before, and her the Scout troop were asking for stuff for like a charity raffle. And somebody said to me, do you want to give some? guitar show tickets and I'm like really I don't think any of the parents are going to want to go but of course you can have a couple of pairs of tickets and actually one of the scout leaders um, went uh, probably he was the only person that went in for that particular prize came to the show and, and it was the year you had a purple Gordon Smith on the stand so half of the staff from uh, Bim Birmingham came Scout leader comes and they keep telling me, everybody came telling me, have you seen that purple, Gordon Smith? It's amazing. <laughs> uh, and then, and then <laughs> blessing, the scout leader ends up um, buying a guitar for his, uh, buying a Gordon Smith from you for his brother's 40th birthday, I think it was. Right. And, he, and he just kept telling me how amazing it was because you do these open factory things on a Saturday. 
and it yeah, cost we... him a fortune because he'd bought a guitar for himself off the back of that as well. <laughs> so for my free ticket, you actually sold two guitars. <laughs> we should give more tickets away. It's simple. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we do. We run, you know, in normal times, maybe four or possibly when we get back to normal times, we'll probably do six a year initially, uh, where we just have open workshop weekends. So the work, everybody comes in, the workshop is functioning as normal, but people are able to come and they're able to basically look at every aspect of building a guitar from the wood store, how we, how we select the woods, how we treat the woods, how we condition the woods, right the way through, you know, the wood room where they're, they're turned in effect into a naked guitar at the end of that process, you know, how the, the fingerboards go on, how the frets go in, how the necks are shaped, all that, all that bit of the process. Then it goes through the paint room and they can see that process. So Mark will be in there, you know, whether he's doing an open pour satin finish or he's doing a sunburst or he's doing whatever, he'll have all sorts of guitars that he's painting through the weekend. Then it'll go into the electronics room Room where Rob will be there making wiring looms or, or or making pickups and we get people involved on the pickup winder and they love that you know they love to sort of mm. get hands-on involved and then then we'll take them into the showroom and convince them that they really do want to order one while they're with us <laughs> um, <laughs> and we quite often give them a little incentive if they're with us you know for the for the for the show um, that sounds great. really dangerous <laughs> <laughs> everyone we've done so far has been you know massively overbooked which is yeah. which is good because we do limit the numbers because we want people that come here to have an experience and be able to spend you know you know a good three four hours with us not feel like they're on a sort of you know guided tour and they're in and out within sort of 30 minutes and we'll put a bit of a buffet lunch on and stuff and it's a really good time for my team here to interact with the people that are buying their work so you know if there is any feedback on a finish or if there is any feedback on the shape of a neck or the fret wire that we use or the tuners that we're putting on then that feedback goes direct to the guys that are doing it every day on a hands-on basis so for me that's part of why it is so important and it's also the same team that when we do a guitar show those guys come along. So on the stand is the guy that shapes the necks. On the stand is the guy that paints the guitars, is the guy that makes the pickups. So again, it's not just important that I'm interacting with the people that are playing our guitars from a trying to sell them a guitar point of view, but that the team are interacting with the people that are buying guitars from a understanding what our customers want point of view. Does this feel like a very long way from a hotel room on a Thursday night in Shanghai? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of... Um, it's it's gone beyond everything I thought it would be. You know, I thought it would be. You know, I remember thinking, you know, if we do, if we sell a guitar a week, if we do Warden and sell a guitar a week, then you know, direct to an end user, then that's not a bad little lifestyle income to sort of keep me busy and keep me occupied. Um, I think we shipped forty something Ordens out the door last week, and uh, I don't know how many GSs, but they were going all over. And the other <laughs> thing, I guess, because what you've also built really quickly is a. Uh, um, is is a lot of professional artists, a lot of professional, you know, users. So yeah. you've you've built you've built that um, that kind of um, directory of artists really really quickly. You know, bearing in mind we, we're talking less than a decade. And of course, because we were saying before we went on air, the first time uh, I played uh, an Orden um, was actually in Steve Rothery's lounge. Mm-hmm. because I'd popped to see Steve because I knew him through my time at Shaw and, and I think the guitar had literally just appeared the first the first one he, he interacted with and, and he and he you know and he, he disappeared off to make some coffee and he passed me this guitar and he said have a play of this what do you think and it was absolutely spectacular and that was my first interaction but you know uh, the two big bands for me two of the big bands for me growing up Merlin were one of them The Alarm was another and of course Mike Peters is also somebody that you you know you spend time with Yes. Yeah. Um, so, how have you managed to get those relationships so quickly? Well, Mike was the first person I spoke to. I'd known Mike. I was a huge Alarm fan growing up, and I, I, I sort of knew how to get in touch with Mike. And when I sort of first started thinking about the guitar business, I was already talking to Mike and saying, "Look, what do you think of this? Is it something you might be interested in?" And uh, um, and, and Mike is just brilliant because he's so enthusiastic about everything he does, uh, and he's so you know if he gets behind something, he's a hundred percent behind it. And uh, and he's been an enormous help and an enormous support for us um, in terms of getting the not just get not just him playing the guitars, but him getting all of his mates that he knows in other bands 
onto Auden and into Auden as well. So he's been, you know, he's been a fantastic ambassador for us. And I'm really great. I'll, I'll always be grateful, you know, to Mike and Jules and uh, and the other lads in the alarm because James Stevenson plays a Gordon Smith and he plays in Auden as well. And, uh, you know, and that guy's got probably the, you know, pretty, one of the coolest rock and roll CVs out there in terms of you look at the bands that he's played for and, and they've all been you know and Smiley as well the, the drummer in the alarm he's he's you know he got an order into the hands of Paul Weller uh, for us and so it's been you know it's just been sort of in effect trying to support the artists that we know and do a good job for them and make sure that they get a good product and if they get a good product we know they'll tell other people about it and and that's how it's sort of grown and and worked and we've got that lovely mix now of sort of those sort of uh, heritage artists or those artists that sort of are really firmly well established in in their career you know people like you know you've got Mike you've got um, you've got uh, Steve Rothery, as you say. We've got, uh, I don't know if you can see behind me, Johnny Marr now playing uh, an Auden 12 string that we've just built for him. And, uh, you know, you've got that that sort of end of, of the artist, sort of. But it's important to me as well that we're also working with new young artists that are coming through because, you know, we've all, we all have a responsibility to support, you know, the young bands that are out there and the young side of rock and roll, because if we don't, we won't have any customers in no. 10, 20 years time. Mm. So we've got to do what we can to give those young bands a leg up as well. And, you know, we're, we're really lucky to be working with people like Jake Isaac and Eliza Shadad and, uh, you know, Ian Miles from Creeper, who I just think, are an amazing young band coming through. You know, I think their their album Sex Death and the Infinite Void that they released during lockdown was probably for me the highlight of last year in terms of new music releases and um and and you know having Gordon Smith featuring all the way through that uh, was was great for us and it's and it's great that we've certainly seen um you know a younger element to our customers as well as as we've worked more with those younger bands we've seen more of the uh, inquiries coming through from from younger players. Do you think that younger players are less bothered about the traditional headstock name? I think they are, and I think almost there may even be a bit of reverse snobbery that they deliberately don't want mm. the establishment, you know, because there are, look, there's some really cool big brands out there, and, you know, and I own some guitars from those brands, and I'm very precious about them, and I'm very pleased to own them. Um they haven't always been the coolest companies in their history, if we're honest. You know, they haven't always had the the, the sort of the standards that I would I would want from somebody that's making something uh, for me. Um, but and I think perhaps because of that, that yeah, I think younger, the younger players have got maybe a more open mind. Hmm. It's interesting as well because when you talk about, I guess this this resonates through both sets of artists actually. Because if you look at somebody like Marillion or if you look at somebody like The Alarm. Both of those bands have very close relationships with their fans now. Yes, um, yeah. it's a very direct-to-fan model. Uh, you know, a lot of the bands coming through also have a very close relationship with their fans because they've grown up in a in a post-record deal world to a certain yeah. extent. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, bands like Marillion and the Alarm and a lot of the others have gone through that model into a director you know um sort of fan direct to consumer model and of course that really chimes with what you're trying to do anyway so there's the instrument side of it that they're clearly falling in love with but also the ethos of the company versus the artist is really in sync as well i think so and and you know again every year mike has his um his annual gathering the alarms annual gathering up in uh, north wales and you know every year he invites us to have a stand there you know and he, and he just says just come and take as much space as you want and set guitars up and talk to talk to my audience about your guitars and so we do that we take the same stand that we take to the birmingham show and we build it in the conference center where he has his big weekend event and um we you know we 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 make other you know people that probably wouldn't have come across our guitars in their everyday life aware of who we are and what we do um and uh, in the last couple of years we've done a signature mike peters guitar which is the deceiver guitar as he calls it um and we've made that available exclusively through the alarms social media to alarm fans and and that was a, a, a you know a great thing to do and has worked well for us as well it's quite a unique guitar isn't it yeah it's very unique it is. It's um, it's based on an Auden Chester underneath it. There's a, there's quite a story behind, but I'm sure Mike won't won't mind me telling it that uh, um, I 
sort of sat down with Mike at the very beginning, talked about guitars and what he might like. And he sort of, on the back of a sort of serviette, he drew out this idea of a um, an acoustic guitar that was also an electric guitar, hence calling it the Deceiver. So it has a mini humbucker in it as well as the acoustic pickup. And it has two outputs, which Mike can split between an acoustic amp and a uh, distorted electric amp. Um, and what Mike does then is that the electric pickup is always on, sorry, the acoustic pickup is always on, and the electric pickup, he rides in and out with a volume control. So he can make an enormous sound as one guy if he's doing a solo show or even as part of the band. Um, you get that acoustic sound and the electric sound all coming out together. But uh, but when we when we first prototyped it, I we, we put together a really rough wiring loom that we thought did what Mike wanted, but we didn't know for sure. Um, we got on a we got a, an old sample guitar that we had, and we literally sellotaped it in um, with sort of blue tack and sellotape. And it was the gathering the gathering weekend back in it must have been 2014. So I drove it up to Landudno and I said, "Look, Mike, this is purely for you to plug in and tell us if the electric circuit is doing what you want it to do." I said, "I'll leave it with you, but give me a ring in the week and let me know if it's doing what you want it to do." And the next day I got a phone call saying, yeah, it's great. We're just going to make one or two little amendments to it and we're taking it out on tour tomorrow. And I'm like, it's held together with sellotape <laughs> and blue tape. You cannot take that guitar on stage. I said, look, I'll drive up now um, and we'll have a chat and see what you need doing and we'll see if we can see what we can do. And he goes, yeah, we're just making a couple of little changes to it. And it was a flame maple jumbo guitar that we were that we'd given him. And um, I got to Mike's house in, in North Wales, actually his chapel, which is where his studio is based. And as I pulled in in the, in the car park, there was his guitar tech with the guitar hanging from a tree and he's spraying it black with a tin of Halford's black spray paint. <laughs> and once the paint had dried, Mike started sticking his artwork on it and we got, it really became clear then as to what Mike really wanted the guitar to look like as well as what he wanted it to sound like. So we did a sort of little running fix up on the sample guitar that he'd got. He um, he used that, I think, I think the first night of the tour was in Liverpool or Manchester. Um, and the second night was going to be in Oxford. So he used that trial guitar for the first gig. And by the second night, we'd built and painted and put his proper decals on uh, the actual first Auden Deceiver, which is just hanging on the wall of my office over there. Um, and he had that from from the second night of that tour on. And what we do now is every time he goes out on tour or he releases a new album, we redesign the guitar uh, or, re or update the graphics on the guitar to match with the theme of the album or the theme mm. of the show. That's brilliant. And it's probably been seven or eight of them that he's had. That's brilliant. And he's he's got involved as well in terms of when people have ordered signatures, presenting them, hasn't he? He's uh... Yeah, so we did a when we did the first run, we had a handover weekend. Yeah. And Mike was playing, I think, in Cambridge the night either before or the night after. So he came to the workshop, spent the day at the workshop, did a meet and greet with everybody. Um, we got everybody in our showroom. He sort of sat down with, he hand, handed everybody their guitar first and did all the photographs and signing of them and all of that, which is a fantastic experience. We had a bit of lunch for everybody together again. And then he sort of basically sat everybody down and did this mass guitar lesson where he taught them all how to play 68 guns. And then we went, we went out on the street in front of the workshop and blocked the road and there was like, I don't know, 30, 40 people, all with their Mike Peters Deceiver guitars, singing 68 Guns at the top of their voice and uh, stopping the traffic. So, uh, oh, brilliant. The neighbours have never story. forgiven us, but, what, but it was what? great fun. But that's that's just the mark of who Mike is. You know, he's yeah. a really generous guy who really looks after those that, uh, you know, that follow him and that are interested in what he's doing. And his, you know, his life story is so rich and so... Um, you know so colourful there's so much in there and it's 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 really great that he's allowed us to be a little part of that story we'll have to try and get him on I think I'm, I'm sure he'd come on yeah he'd yeah. love to yeah, well, oh, we'll would, grab his email address off you after that, yeah sure that would be a bit of a that would be a nice one well for me that would be a big a big treat uh, having you know having been a fan from back in the day so uh, one of the very first gigs I saw the alarm Sheffield City Hall absolutely fantastic oh, right. <laughs> he also came on with us at the beginning of lockdown we did a, a Saturday night broadcast from he was in his um, in his studio in North Wales I was here in the workshop and then we had James Stevenson join us as well from his place in London um, and we did like a, an hour and a half of just talking to each other and playing some videos, some sort of exclusive videos that Mike had recorded and, and just chatting about all things, not just to do with the alarm, but with music in general and what was happening. Mm. So uh, so what's next then? 
Um, I think it's for us immediately. It's about getting um, our numbers caught up because we've got a bit. We're in a bit of a backlog situation, particularly on Gordon Smith. So that absolutely has to be our our focus at the moment. Um, we've got a lot of customers, two hundred customers, waiting for their Gordon Smiths to be built. Um, so we've got to give them the respect that they that, that they deserve for, for placing their trust in us to build their guitars. So we'll work with those. Um, we've got a couple of new. Gordon Smith designs hanging in the roof next door, which we'll be releasing later this year. We've got a new a revamped version of the Gordon Smith Ghost uh, Ghost Rider, which is our sort of um, semi-hollow guitar that we'll be bringing back out. Um, we've got um, a brand new shape that we're uh, that we've got hanging up in the uh, in the roof, waiting to to, to be released. Um, and we've got another guitar that's quite an interesting one because it's uh, um, in some ways, I guess, the reverse of Mike's because it's a uh, an electric acoustic crossover rather than an acoustic electric crossover um, and that's sort of on the Gordon Smith side of things and on the Orden side of things we've just released our Black Series which is you know part of the guitar that part of the range of guitars that Johnny Mars now playing uh, we've just released the York nylon crossover which is um, a nylon strung guitar that's based on a sort of steel string body shape and so it's got a you know it's got a uh, um, it's got all the things you would expect in terms of a 45 mil nut uh, nut width. It's got a radius fingerboard, all that sort of stuff. But it's nylon strung, so it's an ideal crossover from somebody that's used to playing a, a steel strung guitar to get into a, a nylon strung. So some new models coming out, some new uh, uh, new special editions coming out and planned, and maybe a couple more artist guitars. Excellent, cool. Oh. Well, I think. That wraps it up quite nicely, don't yeah. you, Ant? I, I, yes, yeah, I, I'm fascinated by that. I think it's been absolutely superb. And uh, and do, do, I've done what I always do when we speak to some when we speak to somebody who makes something quite beautiful. That I've now got a shopping list which has now had two more things added to it. <laughs> um, so don't go down on a Saturday. I well, don't this go is the thing. I, I'm desperate now to come down for one of your open uh, your open weekends. But I think I'd, I'd be placing an order for a GS. I think if I came down. Well, come and see us and have a look around and see what you think. The coffee's good. We, we make good coffee here as well. All right. Well, so, in which uh, case, that's that's. Do you know what? I'm just desperate to go anywhere. I'm just, yeah, just yeah. desperate to go anywhere. Uh, yeah. You know, my car's done so few miles in the past year. So, but you're, you're very welcome at any time to come down. Even if you wanted to come down and do, you know, do a podcast from the showroom or from the workshop and get the boys in the workshop involved and um, see what they do, then that's you know, be I'd very love welcome. to do that. Yeah, I'd love to do that. That'd be great. That'd be great. Oh, we'll chalk that up. No, we'll, no. we'll put that in for post June twenty first, yes. shall we? When we can all theoretically yeah. not have to bump our elbows and actually shake hands again. And- yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Doug, thank you very much for finding the time. Uh, that has been uh, absolutely fascinating. Um, and Jace, I guess I'll I'll catch up with you as and when. Yeah, I'll see you soon, mate. All right, cheers. Take care. Cheers, Doug. Thanks, Thanks Doug. guys. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production. Hold up. 